But I wanted to just take a couple, well, a few minutes to speak to you about the season that I feel we're in as a church in God. Because obviously there are natural seasons, but there are spiritual seasons as well. So this is kind of a bit of a pastoral bit. Yeah, everyone changes the way they sit. It's kind of in my spiritual season posture. Um, so, I mean, I've, I, forgive me if I rely quite heavily on my notes at this point. I don't usually, but there's some things I, I want to say and I want to make sure that I don't, don't miss them out. So I, I, may, I may be head down some of the time, uh, but I just want to make sure that I, I don't miss certain things. I think firstly, I want to just, just make the point of being grateful for what God has done with us. I think it's amazing, genuinely, what Jesus has built in the three or so years that we've been here. Um, very, very genuinely amazing and staggering. Even personally, very often find myself pretty amazed. Um, so I'm very grateful um, and grateful for lots of um, particular things. I'm grateful that the mums and tots things getting established now, um, that the, the Mother's Day event there went so well and that there's, there's a genuine sense of starting to connect with different people that represent different communities and different cultures, which is part of us coming into what God has prophesied. And it's slow, but nevertheless, I'd rather be moving somewhere slowly than just speculating and theorizing. So I'm grateful about that. Um, I'm grateful that the Rileys have their first convert to Jesus Christ. Yes. Praise God. So they led their neighbor to Jesus very recently and um, hopefully we'll be baptizing her in the, coming, in the coming months. I'm incredibly grateful to God for that. Grateful that Matt Med is preparing well to be sent out um, to Latvia and um, God's obviously just so with him and just so grateful to have him around and to, to be a part of what God's doing with him is, is, a, is a wonderful thing. I'm grateful for the momentum on Esther and Rebecca and what God seems to be doing there. Very grateful and glad. It's, you know, I suppose for many of us, it's just, there's it a sad element to it. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute, but there's also a sense of just amazing joy. You know, that dream that, that God might use us to, to scatter and send many to the nations is starting to come to pass. So I'm, I'm grateful that Tom O'Toole has decided to stick around for another year. <laughs> I mean, he's just had a growing relationship with Tom and Tom just feels he'd love to really be sent out very meaningfully by us and for me to just oversee what he does up there and look after him as he plants a church in Manchester. And so we're going to just say, well, I think that will work much better if Tom's around for another year and we're able to just really um, just build a strong relationship so that when we send him out, it can go from a place of strength. And who knows, maybe take a few of you, few of you with him. Who knows? We'll see. But um, so I'm grateful and glad about that. Um, I'm very grateful and glad about the training tracks. I just feel that they've I just, I just feel great faith for them. And I'd love in a year or so's time to have a pool of about 20 brilliant training tracks that you can just pull out constantly throughout the year and equip people and equip people so that they are equipped for service. Um, I'm grateful that we baptised six people at the start of the year. We've never seen anything like that before, especially some new converts and some guys. And please hear my heart as I say that. Uh, the reason I say that and make a point of saying that is that, is that historically it's, it's, it's quite hard to see breakthrough, gospel breakthrough with, with men. And it's, it's vital that we do so. And it's not demeaning of, uh, of you women. And you know that and you know my heart in that. But I just think, praise God, seeing gospel breakthrough with men and women is a wonderful thing and to, uh, to baptise six and one day I'm encouraged with the third space. Generally, Dave's testimony was one of many that are out there. Um, but I'm grateful, I'm grateful to God how that's going. Uh, I'm grateful that God is good all the time. I'm grateful that the summer's nearly here. Um, 
And I'm also very grateful, you know, that it seems a little bit like as a church, we've had a bit of a Midas touch. And um, it's just the grace of God. Many of the things we've touched, they've turned to gold. Um, and there's the, the only person that can take any credit for it is Jesus. And um, I'm just so grateful to him for that. So generally think, speaking, I feel that we are a church that is pregnant still with promises. And that's a key word I want you to live with really in your hearts if you're able to for the next few months that we are pregnant. Uh, it's been prophesied that God will give us a building for training church planters, for, for training and resourcing. It's been prophesied that God will give us breakthrough with urban youth. It's been prophesied that God will give us a wineskin of developing numbers of congregations, but still as one church with an eldership looking after it, and he'll show us the way through to do that. It's been prophesied that we will impact communities. It's been prophesied that we'll be like Gideon's army, an unlikely army. Um, and the whole prophecies that came in about the film 300 in line with that. And then I read the Bible and I realized, oh man, Gideon's army was exactly 300. And you just see God is speaking and God is leading us. But I will say this, when you are pregnant with promises, when God gives you a promise, at that point the fight kicks off to get into the promise. You find it with Abraham, you're going to have a son, and then the fight kicks off. Now for Abraham it was manifested, the battle was manifested by time. It was just the sheer fact that the thing, there was 25 years or between the promise and the fulfillment. That was where the battle was. Sometimes it's just with circumstances. God says one thing and then the circumstances seem to point to something completely different. When Julian was here in November prophesying, you know, you know, you know I forgot even, you know, the details, but you're going to... Be, you're going to be 300 in 18 months' time, and all these kind of, oh, you're amazing, you know. And kind of, a couple of months later, you know, your wife gets cancer, and every, your life just gets turned upside down. It's, you just think, man, I lied. This, I, <laughs> when he said that, oh, that, for me, that wasn't the next step in the fulfillment of the prophecy. Oh, this will then happen. You know, it's just not like that, is it? You think, flip. And suddenly, that your circumstances seem to say something very, very different. Sometimes, the bottom line is this hell is just unleashed. You receive something from God in your heart and then suddenly there's an onslaught, whether it's internally, in your mind, in your heart, or whether externally, circumstantially. And, um, and so I'd say generally I feel we are pregnant with promises, but the, the fight of faith has definitely kicked off. Specifically last night, we gathered as leaders to pray, um, just saying, God, please speak to us. And I just felt God say that there will be interlocking prophecies that come. So I brought that and then Richard prophesied, yeah, I've got a picture of a lovely hotel with sun lounges and swimming pool. And we were all thinking, yeah, come on, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, then I saw a jungle. And people really whacking their way through it. And it's like, oh, we know what's coming now, you know. And this this sense, this picture of really pushing through uncharted territory and really having to exert ourselves. And then Hazel was like, you know what, I was just, man, I've been feeling that. He's recently started cycling to work and he's saying, I've, God's just been speaking to me when I've been cycling up Camden Road. He says, it's not much like going downhill. It's a very different experience. And then Dave said, well, it sounds a bit weird, but when Steph's prophesied about interlocking prophecies, all I got was just this sense of my chest going, but I didn't know what to make of it, but now it makes sense. And for me, what I didn't want to do was presume that because of what myself and Davina and our family are going through in terms of it's a bit of a tough one I didn't want to presume that the church therefore would as well I felt that to do that would be presumptuous and arrogant but what it does seem is is that there is some kind of a link and at least I don't know how it, these things work I, I'm not a guru on this stuff at all but I guess sometimes you know if you're kind of leading something um, you can you can sometimes um, live out prophetically something of what happens corporately and I feel like as a church we probably are in a bit of a season now where we're going to have to fight for some of the things that we carry in our heart and that's going to take exertion 
and that's going to take energy, and that's going to take commitment, and that's going to take unity. Um, but I want us to view it properly, and I want us to view it right, because it's ever so important that we do so. How should we view it? If we are pregnant, then I want you to see every exertion in which you exert yourself as a labor pain. See, sometimes it's just tiring to still believe God, to still talk to your friends at work, to still maintain integrity and uprightness, to still come along to church and praise the Lord when you're thinking, man, alive, you know what's going on? You have to exert yourself. Or when no one's around, no one's watching, to still do those things of get with God and pray and be in the Word and not do certain things. You have to exert yourself. And it's not, it's not an antithesis to grace at all. Grace energizes us to do that. But we have to. But I want you to see it as a labor pain. Because labor pains are good. They just ain't easy. My wife told me. <laughs> but they're good. In fact, they're vital if you're going to receive what you are hoping for and expecting for. And I think we mustn't be fooled or naive or deceived to think that when God promises something prophetically that the fulfillment is going to drop in your lap. It's not. Biblically, it doesn't happen like that. God says to Joshua, I've given the promised land. Now go and fight for it. Take some ground. So I think we need to view it as uh, labor pains, vital and good. Now, I know there are many different pressures that people around the room are facing, and I feel it's such a privilege to serve with you, genuinely. I will say that. Those who serve Jesus in the major cities of the world face, I would say, fairly unique pressures, um, onslaughts sometimes of particular things that come. And I, know, I would know about probably many of those pressures being the pastor, but there will be many that I wouldn't know about either. But I want to say I, I, I do recognize, and I think we all recognize that we are, you know, life isn't just a breeze. There is pressure, and I feel privileged to serve alongside you in that. I believe that we are actually living out our New Year sermon. You know, when I preach that sermon, don't say, we're going to go there this year and then do that next year. You don't know what a day is going to bring. You know, the next day, Davina discovers the lump. So ironic. Um, I believe we're living that out. I said on that Sunday that the vision for Revelation Church this year is to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. That was the vision. Praise God is helping us to fulfill it. Yeah. But what can we expect from a season like this? I'll just quickly say a few things. Number one, increasing fruit. We should be expecting increasing fruit. If there are some storms, it should only serve to push our roots down deeper into Jesus. And the more your roots go into Jesus, the more fruit you bear. Amen? Amen. That's, how, that's what happens in the natural. When there's a hurricane or something, a tree, it, it causes a tree to extend its roots deeper down in order to hold still. Likewise, when spiritual storms come, you press into Jesus. The result is you're deeper into Jesus. More fruit. So we should expect more fruit. Number two, growth. I would say over the last few months, our growth numerically has slowed, has slowed down. And I would say this numerical growth matters. It's not the only growth that matters, but it matters. Why does it matter? For two reasons. There's loads of people around that need to know Jesus. <laughs> All right? And we want to win them and add them into something wonderful and vibrant and train them up and send them out, don't we? That's what we're about. That's what, that's what church is. So it matters. Secondly, it matters because Julian prophesied, God's going to get you to 300 like Gideon's army. Then he's going to give you the land. Right. So we've got to get there and we've got to fight tooth and nail to do all we can to get there by the grace and the power of God because we want to take the land. We didn't come here to just be a happy little group, did we, that no one knew about. We came here to take the land. That's what we're here for. So it does, it does matter. 
Um, but I would say this, never forget that God's ways and means are so different from ours. Just because it's a tough one and some things are going on that are unexpected, it doesn't mean you can't grow in that season. It probably does if you're just working on natural principles, but this is the kingdom. It's completely different. Okay? It's like Jericho. It's all locked up. Why? So God can do something amazing. It's like the Israelites backed up against the Red Sea. Why? What a disaster. No, it's not a disaster. God has orchestrated this to show his glory. We want to see the kind of growth as a church that points to God and God alone. God did that. So I think we're in a perfect position to see more growth. I think this season should not be about surviving, but about pressing forward. Should not be about our heads going down, but joyfully anticipating much fruit and much growth. It's like Simon said earlier, Hebrews 12. For Jesus, his joyful anticipation got him through the cross. For us, let's our joyful anticipation of what God is going to do with us keep propelling us forward so we don't get into inertia. There will be other growth as well, and it may hurt a bit. There's such a thing as growing pains. Sending Matt, God willing, in the summer. Sending possibly Esther and Rebecca before the year's out. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt us, it's going to hurt me, it's going to hurt certain ones of you more personally. It's just going to hurt. Okay, so we need to say, oh, will it? Yeah, but it's growing pains. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it just remains alone. But if it, if it, if it dies, it bears much fruit. Wouldn't it be wonderful if by the grace of God, come the day of eternity, what had sprung out of one congregation was many, many churches across the world living to the glory of God. I mean, man alive. That would be worth any bit of pain that would come in the temporary, just the glory and the joy of that day. So I want to encourage you to embrace growing pains. It will mean stepping up. These guys are going to leave huge gaps. We'll feel those gaps. We'll notice them. We'll be all very aware of them. And then by God's grace, I'm in total faith that God will raise people up, more and more people than ever, to fill those gaps and take those things on we are called to be an apostolic people which means a sent people which means a people on the move a people of momentum it means sometimes it's not comfortable I mean sometimes that you think man is this thing ever sit still no <laughs> it's always going to be changing yeah probably probably it'd probably be really scary if there wasn't some sense of movement wouldn't it I think it's the movement of God. It's not just moving for the sake of it. We know we're, we're not moving on the gospel, right? Yeah. Great. <laughs> now I'm concerned. <laughs> Are we moving on the gospel? No. We're not moving on the gospel. <laughs> My dream is to have a church that is so secure in the gospel, it can handle any kind of change that comes, because the gospel never changes. Jesus never changes. And these other things, okay, fine. Oh, I wasn't expecting that, but we'll roll with it. Why? Because it advances the gospel. And that's really what we are here for. So um, finally I say this, as we resolve to serve the Lord and not serve our own plans, we can be confident that there will be more to gain through this season of exertion and pressing through than through a season of ease and sun lounges, not because one is better than the other, but because God has ordained it and he's wise and he knows what's best. We don't always know exactly uh, what's going on or what's going to happen but I think that's where the worship comes in. The manifestation of that trust, that confidence and that obedience. He's led us this far. Um, we all testify that he's led us this far, don't we? I mean, we, know, we must know that. You can't be around and not recognize he has led us this far. And if he's led us this far, he will lead us. He will absolutely lead us. So.
two things to just help you, one for safety, one for heads up. The safety thing is this, um, the guy who leads the New Frontiers London apostolic team has just been in touch with me quite a bit, just in regards to Davina and just how we're doing and stuff. And just, he said he'd love if one of the guys in his so apostolic team could just come and be around the leadership team a bit just just to make sure that there's security and you know someone with a few more gray hairs and just given you know what's going on and stuff so Dave Nunn who basically it was my pastor at City Hope Church he's just for a season six months or so just going to come to a few of our leaders meetings and just be around he's just uh he's just just a wise head really and uh, and a great godly heart and uh, he really is my father in the Lord. We've got a great relationship. He, he won't be coming in trying to be the pastor at all. He just really want, he's just got a father's heart for the leadership team. So just to let you know, um, he's around. He's having input. He's bringing support. He may be, well be around for a couple of Sundays over the next six months. And we can just introduce him and you can just become familiar with his face. That's a real blessing. So for your safety, just a heads up on eldership. Um, biblically, the way a church should be led is by a team of elders. Um, our aim and hope is to establish a team of elders by November. Um, obviously, on paper, it would have been easier to do so if uh, Davina hadn't um, discovered this cancer. Um, but my inclination, my hope is that we'll still be able to get there because I, the thought of keep putting it off and keep putting it off before you know it, you just think, come on, we've got to get on with this. We've been going quite a while now. And the way the church should be led is by a team of elders. So just to let you know, I'm earnestly before God in it and... We're talking about it a lot as a leadership team and there's prayer going up about it and it's very much in our heart. But we'd really appreciate your prayers. How will the process work? The process will work something like this. Um, uh, Dave Nunn from the outside and probably one or two others from the London team um, will just get to know guys in the church more over the few month, the next few months. I'll be just be before God praying and then I'll probably, um, I probably might get the order a bit wrong and I'm explaining that because I'm talking off the cuff, but bear with me. Uh, I will probably just have some conversations with those guys from outside the church that are overseeing us and just mention a few names that I feel like God might be raising up for the first wave of elders. And then, um, and then obviously I'll speak to those guys themselves and say, look, are you feeling this too? And, you know, and then if everything's looking good and everything's looking positive, we bring it before the church at September family meeting and say, these are the guys we're suggesting and really would look for your feedback at that point. You know, if at that point three people separately come up with a similar negative accusation about one of the people we are putting forward for eldership, then we've suddenly got to put the brakes on there, haven't we? And we've got to say, hold on, well, we wasn't aware that some stuff's been going on. So obviously we'll just, we'll just put, them, put it out and see, just have, have some time for you guys to digest that and come back and talk things through. And then hopefully when, we're all, when there's a real sense of clarity, yeah, this is, this is, this is what God's doing, then November time we'll be able to establish, lay hands and set apart elders to shepherd the church under Jesus, who is the shepherd of the church. So that would be the plan. Um, my hope and prayer is that there will constantly be a sense of raising up elders and bringing up elders and the team growing and some being sent out to plant. So rather than it become feeling like an old boys club, I really, my hope and prayer is that it'll be like a, a momentum about it and a sense of movement and constantly seeing God raise people up. We're looking to establish deacons around the same time. Never been in a church with deacons before, but I read my Bible and they're in there. So I'll do some reading, try and find out what they are. And, uh, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll look to just work that out. And then we've got to try and work out at the same time, you know, whether, whether there should be official membership or not. Um, all the churches I've been involved in have had that. I don't think it was in the early church, but saying that in one city there would be one church. There wouldn't be 300 of different denominations and styles. So it's a very different scene. So does there come a point where people need to actually say, yeah, you know what, I want to be a member here. I'm going to be doing 
study on that stuff over the next few months, elders, deacons, and members, and just trying to find out what the Bible teaches and get God's heart and read read lots of different books from different kind of persuasions, if you like, so I'm not just drawing off one person's opinion um, and hopefully just clearly communicate that as we go through so you guys feel insecure um, and and all of that kind of stuff. Just want you to be sure you know our heart on it is that uh, the dream ticket and the way it should work is that when we when we when we bring people before the congregation we believe God's raising up as elders or deacons at the church of one heart goes yeah we see that you know and we would gladly you know just want to support and get behind that so is that cool okay uh, any questions on anything I've said I'm totally I know I've said a lot but just want to some people are processing slower other people have questions straight away so I want to just give an opportunity for that I was either really clear or really boring. <laughs> you guys sure? Yeah? You feeling clear and cool about stuff? Yeah, all right. All right, just to say Davina's well as well. Oh, I'll get you first. Just say Davina's well. She's very well. We're well as a family. We're incredibly well. We are filled with supernatural joy and peace, genuinely. Um, and uh, it's not easy, but that... Like I said, we all, you know, that's just what it is, but we are well. Um, and physically, she seems to be doing very, very well. And the kids are secure. Um, we know they're secure when they make up songs about chemo and <laughs> write stories about it with bizarre pictures of Davina going bald. You know they're all right. You know, you know they're not insecure or anxious. So, you know, there's lots of laughter, lots of fun in the house. And um, I think everyone just knows the love and grace of God. And the love and grace we have for one another in Jesus as a family. And, 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 and also, I'll just say this, coming, coming Sunday, after being away on holiday for a week, we're just so thrilled to just be with you guys, all of us. It was just like, oh, we love this church. We love you and so much. And we know you love us. And you know, we're so assured of that. We're so powerfully assured of that. So thank you for your prayers, for your practical help, for the thousand and, thousand and ten shepherd's pies you've cooked us. Thank you for that. Please don't cook us any more shepherd's pies, but thank you for the shepherd's pies. They were wonderful. Um, yeah, sorry, Dave, your question. Yeah, just on that really, like, um, just saying thank you for the way you lead us. I mean, you say you love it, and we know you do. And I'm sure I speak on behalf of all of us that we do generally feel love from you. Great. 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 All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't get me emotional. Thank you. I do appreciate it. You know, I was just saying to someone at church Sunday morning, you know, sometimes you do different pastor things you go to. Some pastors, it seems, have to have to get away to conferences and things regularly to just get refreshed because the, the church isn't the refreshing setting for them. It's a setting of constant um, erosion. And I just, it's just not, it just that isn't our experience at all. I think you guys are so good to us. And, um, you know, even to stuff like when we did the thing with Dave, brought Dave on part time, he's taking the Ebony, he's taking the practical stuff. The way you just roll with change is just outstanding. You say, okay, fine. And suddenly, I mean, it's just amazing. I'm praying again. I'm reading my Bible again. You'll be glad to hear. I'm studying <laughs> theology again. I'm being before God. I'm falling in love with Jesus in a fresh way. I don't know about Dave. He's going downhill. But, you know, <laughs> I'm having a great time. I'm having an amazing time. Um, but the way you just and released us to do that before expected time in the middle of a recession, I mean, it's really staggering. It's really staggering. So, you know, thank you so much. It's a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be able to serve and, and, and lead you guys. And, you know, 
we had some friends visit the evening service from our old church on the couple on Sunday evening. They were just blown away. They said, man alive. They said, the, the unity here, the presence of God, just glorious. So should we just thank, I'll just thank Jesus. Eh? <laughs> Lord Jesus, we give you all the glory.